Halloween, Kathy. Happy Halloween. We're getting there. We are. We are getting there. It's still October. But I don't know. I'm thinking like, ah, I really, we say this every year, but I want to keep it going. We do. And we do keep it going on the show, but I do know that over the summer somewhere, somewhere in late spring and summer, I start to lose my connection to Halloween. And then it makes me even more desperate when July comes and August comes. <laughs> I don't know. There is a waning where I lose sight of it. Well, we need to find, now that the pandemic, we're getting a hold of it. Yes. Um, yes. I would say that we need to do some more conventions. Yeah. That really helps. Mm-hmm. Going to Awaken the Spirits was great. Yeah. I hope that we can do that. I hope that there is a future that has us doing more of that. That would be really great. You had a story you were going to tell something that happened to you or do, would you like to do your psych news first? Uh, I'll do the story first. I just, okay. it, it's an interesting thing that happened. It was a um, very jarring thing, but also I think there's a societal slash cultural component to how we react to things now based on certain norms in society. Sure. So I walked into uh, the supermarket the other day and I was just kind of in my head. I was thinking about stuff, whatever. All of a sudden there's this guy that's, he's all the way down the end of the aisle towards like the, to the left is where you would like open the refrigerator and grab something out of that. And he had a a spray can of some cleaner in his left hand. And then he was, he had his phone in the other hand that I could see was on and he was talking to somebody and he sort of stumbles in front of me and he's making these really weird sounds. And he's like, I'm, I'm trying to register what's going on. And then the sounds get even weird, like, like he's weirder. Making he's making these sounds. He's kind of stumbling. So here's a, there's this cultural, there's a couple cultural pieces to this one. We live in LA. Mm-hmm. So there are people in this. And, and when I say this, this is not like, I'm, I'm not putting anyone down. This is the reality is we have a lot of people who are on drugs. Mm-hmm. We have a huge homeless community. It's a huge urban city. It's a huge <laughs> urban city. So we have people who are addicted. We have, and then we also in conjunction with that, when I saw his phone, we have people who do really stupid shit for TikTok, mm-hmm. for Instagram. So what yes, I've, a lot of people wanting to be famous and, and we'll do like really inappropriate things that I, I think I'm so used to people exploiting people with mental health issues yes. or even like medical issues. So my brain is sitting there going, Oh, there's all these things computing. What, what is going on right now? And I was going to walk right by him and then he spins around and he hits the ground and this woman who's a little bit older who probably isn't in the social media scene as much and she looks at me and she goes seizure and all of a sudden my i go oh my god like why wasn't that my automatic she i go i'll call 911 she goes and gets one of the staff people i ended up being on 911 she ended up ironically being a psychologist as well and we were talking about i said to her i, I said it's so bad that my first thought was he was fucking around. Yeah. And he ended up having a really bad seizure. Mm. He was on the phone with his girlfriend. So, and I said, he was on the phone with someone, see who that was. And this guy, and, and I'll also say this, when we think that people have become unempathic, indifferent, they don't care about each other, we're individualized. A lot of that is true, but I will tell you when this happened, 
this older gentleman and this woman came over, turned him on his side. I sat with him. This other guy got on his phone. The other woman ran and got staff. The staff made sure the paramedics got to where it was. It was really incredible to see how cared for he was. He must have been terrified. He had no history of seizures. Mm. He's probably late 20s, early 30s. Um, His girlfriend said, as far as we know, no drug abuse, no alcohol. I mean, maybe he was detoxing from alcohol, but he he seemed fairly healthy, at least from a a visual point. So two things sort of happened when I saw this. One was the the disbelief that my head first went to, what the fuck's your problem? Like stop being an idiot. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was just like my defense of, like you know not recognizing something really bad was happening and then also just how we all were there and watching how like nobody left his side until you know medical care was there and that was really and he was so i mean when he came to oh i bet his his face was was purple like i wasn't sure if he was gonna it it was bad and and so he was so confused he didn't know where he was so it was this just really crazy kind of experience to have, have witnessed on a Friday afternoon. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess I wanted to share that just because, you know, society is really strange and like so many things went through my head and I reflected on that after like, I can't believe that was my go-to thought. Like what the hell's your problem? And I think that's a great story to tell because I think most people would have that moment, at least those of us who live in urban communities and are used to seeing a myriad of yes. things. He was yelling, he and was stumbling. Also, yeah. And also used to being on the defensive. Yeah. yeah. Oh world. my gosh. Yes. Like, I don't want you to hurt me. Yeah. Don't, I'm going to walk right by you. Right. Yeah. Right. And, lo- you know, Los Angeles, New York, whatever other cities that I could lump into that, like big urban sprawls like mm-hmm. that. Like, we're just used to having to defend ourselves. Yeah. And so you were sort of saying, all right, let me try to read, you know, that's that trauma where it's like, okay, let me try to read this situation so I can defend myself. That's exactly what it was. I was trying to figure out, like, am I attending to this or am I just going to walk by? and when he fell on the floor I was still just kind of looking at him like what what it took another person validating what was going on for me to go oh my god yeah he's not messing around and he's not trying to hurt anybody yeah and when in your discussion with her did you get at why she knew it was a seizure right away I was wondering like I was thinking I wonder if she's a nurse or she has someone in her life that has I honestly to be honest with you I think it's because she was probably a good 15 years older so she's just not caught up in the cultural norms that you're thinking in honestly got it yeah got it yep I really do Mm -hmm. fair really fair her head didn't her head didn't go there as the first thing right yeah she wasn't clouded by that immediately right I wanted to that was interesting thank you Mm mm-hmm I wanted to talk a little horror news, and I know you have a psych piece as well that you're going to share, but I wanted to mention you have heard that they're doing Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so David Bruckner's Hellraiser is on Hulu. It's going to be on Hulu. Jamie Clayton is playing Pinhead. They're doing... Who's playing Pinhead? Jamie Clayton. They're doing... Uh, it's a girl. Mm-hmm. Non-binary. Mm-hmm. Which is the way the original story Makes was sense. written. Uh, she's the actress from Sense Eight. She's playing Pinhead, and I'm imagining that just because it's a female actress doesn't mean that it's going to be a female character. That it's more non-binary, like the original story is okay. what I'm guessing. Okay. Uh, so Jamie Clayton's non-binary, or they're making the character non-binary. I, I don't know okay. what Jamie Clayton is or oh, is okay. not, but I know that the character is being played That's by where going. Uh, an actress. Jamie Clayton is the way she's. Re- 
referred to. So okay. I'm going to assume that her publicity people would have corrected that if yeah. she was not, but if she did will not be identify on, yeah. as a female, I'm assuming that they would not be yeah. putting that in the, but you know, Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but pinhead will be non-binary. Is yeah. What you're okay, cool. Is my assumption from, cause that's what the original story is. And they're, you know, it's like, he doesn't I need to be this. a dude. So, <laughs> and yeah, Clyde Barker's sure. on board as a producer. That's great. I'm interested to see the original creator, Barker, uh, alongside Mark Toberoff, Come aboard as producers, joining Phantom Four's David S. Goyer and Keith Levine. Uh, so those are all the producers. Uh, David Bruckner is directing from a screenplay by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski, okay, who wrote The Night House, Super Dark Times, which I think you yep. liked, mm-hmm. uh, with a story by Goyer. So a big old complicated, really experienced team <laughs> is going in on this, as you might well imagine, because it's a huge, famous property that a lot of people, I mean, even more than the Halloween franchise, the Hellfire franchise is, is even more criticized and lambasted and said it's the worst one and all of that. So it would be really nice for people like myself who are actually Hellraiser fans yeah. <laughs> to have some some comeuppance for that. Uh, so the the original story was called The Hellbound Heart. Clive Barker. I, I love mean, this. I love all I love everything about this. I'm excited. Are you for looking this. at pictures and stuff? I'm looking at the deadline um, article right now. Jamie Clayton oh, okay. was on the new L word. Yeah. She she almost looks like a uh, a more sophisticated Lily Sobieski. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like she, yeah, <laughs> like more grown up and a little bit more attractive. Um, I'm glad you're happy with it. <laughs> no, it just that's what she reminded me. I I, I didn't know her face. So I just pulled her up. But um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will just see how yeah. that goes. One of the a couple of the other things I wanted to just chat about with you is that I know that you are looking forward to the movie Lamb, mm-hmm. which is coming out, which has your girl. New me, new me, rapace. I, I mean, if if the world were your oyster, it's quite possible that I've seen it by now by the time this episode comes out. But I just was so intrigued by this trailer. Yeah, a twenty-four films latest atmospheric horror film. Oh man! And they describe it. What do they describe it as? My friend sent me the caption this morning. The director is Vladimir Johansson. (laughs) Says the. Is Lamb is the sweetest, most touching horror movie nightmare you've ever seen. <laughs> You're like, I'm on and board. If, if you watch, here's the part that I think I'm going to struggle with is just the, the animal stuff is hard for me to get through sometimes. And you know that there's going to be. It's literally called Lamb. Yeah. Violence and all that. So, and then there's like a snapshot of the trailer where the, the lamb has a human body, which is really crazy. It's like walking on two legs, you know, and they've got, they humanize this personify this lamb right yeah i mean numi plays a sheep farmer yeah uh with another person and their life takes a bizarre turn when one of their flock gives birth to a hybrid lamb human yeah and the childless couple decides to raise the strange creature as their own yeah so you can imagine how cool that's going to be. It's going to be wild. I love Numi. She's Swedish. And it's set. It's also set in rural Iceland. And I, I have a new interest in Iceland over mm-hmm. the last four or five years. There's a, there's a YouTuber that I watched that did a bunch of Icelandic stuff in her original beginnings. And she lives there. And for whatever reason, over the, over the several years I've been watching her, I've just really seen a lot of beautiful 
Mm -hmm. parts of Iceland because I've been watching this travel vlogger and at least she started as that. And when I saw that it was set in Iceland, I was like, oh, I'm so on no, board. The, it it is it's atmospheric. So atmospheric. It's incredibly and it's atmospheric. so isolating. And if you, you haven't know. watched, those of you listening, if you haven't watched the trailer, the trailer itself, like when it ends, you're just like, what? <laughs> it's it's a really great trailer. Well, Takes in you A24, you know, you either love them or you hate them. I mean, they're known for hereditary midsomar yeah you know so mm -hmm. this uh, it's, it's gonna be messed up we know gonna that it's gonna be messed up it's yeah. a lamb human Oof. kathy it's a lamb human oh. <laughs> i'm also looking forward to antlers uh oh yeah which has been we've been waiting for a couple of years because of covid for this one yeah it's a supernatural horror film directed by scott cooper it follows a school teacher and her police officer brother in a small Oregon town, which might also be very atmospheric and dreary, right? Because it mm -hmm. could be the rainy season when they do their thing. Carrie Russell's in it, who I love. I love her. They, they become convinced one of her students is harboring a supernatural creature. So I love creature stuff. So lamb and antlers, I'm very much looking forward to both of them. I love an atmospheric creature thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, I believe, produced antlers. So Ooh. I'm interested. You know, they, I'm just interested. There's, I mean, between this and Halloween Kills, and lamb and all, there's a lot of really good stuff coming out i know i'm excited uh you had a psych piece you wanted to i did i do about. so this uh the news actually came out late september so it's it's not new new but new ish uh i thought this was in i want to read more about this because i have i have a lot of questions around it but french president emmanuel macron probably butchering that because I'm not French, announced on September 28th that the government will cover the cost of therapy sessions for any citizen age three and older as part of a broader initiative starting in 2022 to address mental health concerns. So he goes on to say mental health is a major issue that is insufficiently addressed in our country. He says at a conference for psychology professionals, the president said he sees the new measure as a way to address a historic demand for therapy and help citizens whose mental health is suffering as soon as possible. I just really think this is awesome. And I think it's a beautiful message. And uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of politics around it as far as how do these clinicians get paid and will there be some, you know, you know, how are they going to organize it? How are they going to organize it? You know, the, all of the stuff that I think about that if this became, you know, a thing in the U S however, I, I love the concept of it because I think with the pandemic, we've most people who didn't really recognize mental health is a thing realized it is a thing mm -hmm. um, and that people are really suffering and that it should not be a privilege and it should not be something that people have to find in some corner of the city where the clinician has 45 clients and is completely burnt out because they're getting paid $5 a session. So I, I'll be curious to read more about this as it goes and how this works out, because obviously there's a lot of odds and ends to like universal health care and which I'm supportive of, but I, I just think this is um, a really great start and a great message that I hope, you know, gets carried on across the globe because, uh, you know, th there's even in this article, it just talks about the rates of um, suicidal thoughts over the past year and the percentages and just recognizing like people need access to mental health and yeah. go France. Yeah. It reminds me of what we deal with with teachers. Yeah. Like the therapy should be a situation where everybody, of course, we want everyone to have access to education. Mm -hmm. 
So we have that now. And what do we have? We have 45 students in a third grade classroom yeah. in the middle of Los Angeles, you know, so right. it'll get it'll get a little bit messed up before it, it gets better. But right. I have I have faith that the French will maybe do it better than we did. And, or and somebody, we try to. <laughs> it's really just about just like Obama did with healthcare. It's like it's not going to be perfect straight out the gate, but somebody needs to start the conversation. Yeah, you have to start it and then work out the problems and right. you have to be solution focused. Yep. Like you have to be. How do we get to Yes. In yeah. other words, let's do this, and then how do we get to yes? How do we get to it working? We know it's not going to be great, right? But how do we get to it working instead of oh, this isn't working? You know, right. screw this. Oh, 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 which is all just fear. It's yep. like no, it's a good thing. How right. do we get to? How do we get to make it work? <laughs> which I totally agree. Yeah. With. Um. So this next segment is a little thing we like to call. I love it because she blows it out. She blows out that microphone. Do you like the... Uh, I like the operatic yeah. version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. I have my pen. Okay, great. I'm ready this time. Number one. Mm. What state and or territory, you have to include all of them, is ranked number one for Halloween enthusiasm? <laughs> First of all, who is ranking it's not Halloween just like, enthusiasm? Yeah, not like who just puts on the best parade. You know, we talked about New York being a bit, we're, um, we're like the most enthusiastic about Halloween is where? Where? Number two, the Hammer horror film series, which went from 1958 to 1974, consisted of nine installments, which starred which two actors as Count Dracula and Dr. Van Helsing. Some For some people who are real horrophiles, mm-hmm. this is their favorite. It's like their favorite thing ever. This this The Hammer series, as yeah. far as classics, they love above the universal. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I got to watch some of those. You may have once you know who oh, these okay. people are. Number three, Hugo Munsterberg. Oh, has been you. referred as the father of forensic psychology due to the publication of his book on the witness stand, Essays on Psychology and Crime. In what year was this book published? Okay. Number four. In 1992, a commercial featuring Dracula proved that by drinking this product, it was equivalent to satiating his thirst for blood. <laughs> That's amazing. I like the old the old commercials you get. I know. At. That's awesome. Number five. Which Friday the thirteenth has the most kills and how many were there? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, have you seen these vans, horror yes. vans? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, you're living under a rock, and I appreciate that you're living under a rock, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Come out of your rock and buy some horror vans. The company vans. Horror vans. vans. I can wear them with my Friday the 13th socks. Do it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. There's sweatshirts and t-shirts and backpacks and all that, but the but the cornerstone of this is the shoes there are the lost boys there is friday the 13th there is it the exorcist a nightmare on elm street the shining all of this branded merch from vans there's gremlins there's beetlejuice people i want the lost boys obviously of course you do yeah i want that and 
there is a sweatshirt that's awesome that's just black and it has the Lost Boys like logo on it yeah. or whatever and it's amazing. I feel like this might be our Christmas. <laughs> it might be. We might have to have some Christmas going on in here. <sighs> All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little bit of a break and then we're going to come back and continue our Friday the 13th rewatch today. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the new blood number seven and Jason takes Manhattan number eight. Yay. <laughs> we'll be right back. Spooky times. Spooky times here. Let's talk about Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. Uh, I'm going to give a little synopsis just so we know where we're at. (laughs) They're so bad. They get so bad right here in the middle. Okay. So years after the strange drowning death of her father, Tina Shepard returns to the site of his demise, Crystal Lake. Her developing psychic powers were responsible for ending his life, leaving Tina riddled with guilt as an adult. While deceitful Dr. Cruz tries to manipulate her abilities for his own ends, both physician and patient are in for the shock, for a shock when Tina's powers unwittingly free camper killer Jason Voorhees from his watery slumber. So again, we have, he's underwater. Always. He's underwater at the beginning of this one and at eight. It's an underwater start. It's you true. notice that like the last couple, it was a grave start. Lightning. Five and six. It yeah. was he was in the grave and they resurrected him. Yes. Now these two, he's underwater and they resurrected yes. him. So they tend to like get this idea they like and then they do it a bunch. <laughs> All right. So one thing I will say is that I'm so happy to be in the Kane Hodder portion of these True. movies because he is the shining fabulousness of both these movies. He is. Jason is a real presence now. It just very much changes the vibe because Jason is an actual presence. He's not just a man lingering in the shadows oh, no. or a POV, right? So for so long, Jason is a POV, like right. watching. Right. Jason is there and he's a presence. And I mean, I don't like the cheesy makeup they got into in the 80s with him looking like a rubbery... Yeah. ghoul of some kind uh, i understand it makes sense because he's been burnt and fried and, and he was underwater and underwater i get that he's gonna yeah. look gross like i totally yeah. understand that i just i'm just not interested yeah they change keep up, the mask on they change him up a little <laughs> bit between each yeah uh, i agree kane hotter made jason famous i think so this is the telekinesis one. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It's also the after witnessing her alcoholic father, you know, like the, the, this is where they try. Like we remember last week we were talking about the, trying to make something more profound than it needs to be. This movie annoyed the hell out of me. Number seven is right up there with like, what was it? Number three that I hated too, where they try to, where they tried to make um, the little boy, like all of a sudden, you know, yep. I hate it. I hated seven. It, if it wasn't for Kane Hodder, yeah, the, this whole movie was a waste of time. No, I mean, people hate five, people hate seven. It's like a, th- a thing. And I, I don't like this movie either. I, I noticed in the beginning that, you know, what awakens him is her anger. That's yeah. how they, that's how they do it. Is that her anger? I get that they're saying like her telekinetic kinetic powers awakened him, but 
she has uh, psychic powers when she's angry or scared. Yeah. And so what they do in the very beginning of this movie is they have him awaken because she gets really upset. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so now child anger awakens <laughs> Jason Voorhees from his slumber. Child anger is pretty terrifying. And have you ever been around the, child anger? Yeah, I know bit, you have. A little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. And he, <laughs> Jason is very protective of children. But then in this one, it's like he had tried, they set up like he had tried to kill her or I don't know. What the, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But I thought that the spinal column on his back was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. They have him come out of the ocean or the r- lake, sorry, and his back is exposed and yeah. it's all eaten away. I thought yeah. that was a nice touch. No, the, the effects obviously get better as we move through the 80s. They get better. The practical effects get better. But the part I think that really got me this whole time was you know, the psychiatrist just treating her like this emotional little girl yeah. and they overplayed it so much. It's like, it, it's not even so much the misogyny of it that gets me. I mean, that's annoying as hell, but it was like, this was the constant trope through the whole movie was, you need to calm down. You you know, this is because of the abuse. It's like, what? Are, it was like, we're watching two different movies. It might've been the portrayal of our profession that also offended you Maybe. as well. But yeah. I mean, partly because, because when you're saying that, I'm thinking like, yeah, like we all just go like, we all gaslight our patients. Right. <laughs> like, oh, it's not real. It was constant gaslighting. It's your trauma. And then, uh, he it, kept it's saying your it's trauma. your trauma. It's not, you're not actually. And like, then the telekinesis that they throw into it again is like, this is a far reach. Like what's happening? I understand that Friday the 13th is part supernatural, but I thought Jason was really the only supernatural piece. Now we have like Firestarter in here and Carrie, <laughs> right? So... He's flip-flopped a little bit, but this was Kane's favorite one to shoot, and I understand why. He's he's also said that about uh, 10, about, but it, that it was his favorite one to shoot, and I totally get it because it has some amazing kills in it, and one of my, I have a couple of favorite kills from this movie, and it's one of my favorite kills of the whole series okay. is the sleeping bag ah, I have it written down. Yes, yes, that, yes. And I laugh out loud. I mean, he literally the just best. picks the thing up and just smacks it. I'm it's like, the best. I think that's the first kill that we see with him where it's like, this is a whole new Jason. A whole new Jason. He's just massive. And he's like this big guy. Yeah. He's thick and he's just strong. And he's mm-hmm. like, gives no fucks. It's the best part of the movie as far as I'm concerned. Oh my God. His kills are great. And I read a story about how that kill was particularly difficult for him because the, the dummy or whatever that they had put in the sleeping bag was really heavy. And so... It was. It wasn't what he thought it was going to be because, of course, Jason needs to look like he's like stronger than everything else. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit heavier than he thought, and he was like, "Oh." So it, the director kept. And he's saying, a big dude. Yeah, and the director kept saying, "Like, do it again, do it again," because it didn't look right, and it's because it was too. He-, he wasn't looking strong enough, right? And so I guess something about like he got so mad and frustrated with it that he just like got so mad that his adrenaline took over and he just smashed it. And that's what the end of the take that they used in the movie because it was just, I mean, and then take after take of that too. It's like, if you're not strong on the first one, you're certainly not going to be strong on the sixth one. So I love that one. And I've played the Friday the 13th game and, and that kill is in the the, the video game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that kill is in the game. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll just go and, I know the area in the game where there's this little campsite and this little uh, cabin and I go and I hide 
in the little tent that they have there. Your character can go inside the tent, and then I just wait. And then eventually Jason will get to me, and that's the kill that you get. If you wait oh, in, that's that, cool. in that area like of the game, that. you yeah. get to be killed in the sleeping bag. <laughs> you get love thrown it. against the tree, and I just, I don't know. I'm ridiculous. <sighs> so like the part where Kane is walking up the stairs, uh, there's this part where he... It breaks into the house finally, uh-huh. kind of near the end, and they have him like w- this, like walking up the stairs of the house, and it's this really long shot. This is what I mean about like all of a sudden Jason is a real character in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of shots. They 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 have him in a you know sixty second shot or a thirty second shot. You just didn't get that before. Nope. And so Kane, I mean, they realized what they had, I guess, and they just really made well, him a character. There, at, at some point in the series, there's a shift from Jason being an urban legend and this thought and this story and this campfire tale to flipping the script and he actually being the center of all of it and that he is it's no longer this is he real here's this kid it's like no here he is in is, the- i think where we're at yeah <laughs> for sure and seven started that like you said yeah yeah absolutely eight you want to go to eight <sighs> Let, please i love eight you're like okay can we please get off the one i hate? I love eight i love eight all right so let me just give a little yeah friday the 13th the eighth installment of friday the 13th is called jason takes manhattan 1989 and the premise is this in case you didn't know the premise for any Friday the 13th movie, mass murderer Jason Voorhees, which is now in quote in parentheses Kane Hodder, they actually like make him a thing, is resurrected from the bottom of Crystal Lake, again, starts in the water, after he kills a passing boat's occupants. He stows away on a cruise ship filled with a high school graduating class bound for New York City. Biology teacher Charles McCullough is on board with his niece, Rennie, who has visions of Jason drowning as a child. They escape his bloody shipboard rampage, but when Rennie and Charles reach Manhattan, Jason is close by. So there is a scene. I This is one of the things I appreciate about eight. So first of all, I think that's Kane Hodder narrating the opening scene. That's mm. his voice, which was really cool. It was a nice mm-hmm. touch. We're clearly well into the eighties now by the music, the film style. It's a little bit more up to date. It looks like a movie you'd see in a theater, not one that you found on VHS and some cabin in the woods somewhere. <laughs> um, but there was originally, there was a scene that called for Kane to kick Rennie's dog. Did you read about this? Mm-mm. But Hodder refused to do it. And for a couple different reasons, I think one, he thought that was kind of messed up. But two, he didn't believe that Jason would hurt a dog or a child. Like he wasn't just this opportunistic killer. Right. He had a, he had a, a population of people, teenagers that had sex yes, that he would kill. And I just thought that was really great on his part to go. That doesn't fit with who he would, he wouldn't oh, kick yeah. a dog. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, Kane is super famous for, like, looking at the director and saying, Jason wouldn't do that. Yeah. And them having to change stuff. I mean, he did, you know, Jason 6 through 10 or whatever, and he's really, he's pretty famous for going, like, to be, for being character-driven. Yes. And taking it seriously. And that's why I think he's everyone's favorite Jason, because he wasn't just a guy in a mask running around with a, a, a knife or a machete. He was, like, what would actually be the motivation of this guy? And he wasn't just this crazy opportunistic killer. 
he wouldn't like in the earlier ones where mm -hmm. he wouldn't hurt the child. Yeah. Um, and interesting that the director didn't pick up on that, but he did. Yeah. I just thought that's, that oh, was yeah. Cool. I mean, he takes it seriously, which I think really helps the movies. Yep. You know, that's just a thing for everyone to know. You know, you can have a, sh a part that seems cheesy or you can have a shitty job or you can have things in your life that aren't like respected or interesting or whatever, but you can take them seriously and you can elevate them, right? It's like mm -hmm. just because maybe people didn't take these movies seriously or any of the acting seriously that didn't mean that Kane didn't take his part in it seriously and then ended up being great because of it it's like if he had just said oh it's a paycheck like then that doesn't that's not helpful yep uh, so you and I have different feelings about this movie I really don't like it very really? much I think it's one of the worst <laughs> in the series I love it it's called Jason Takes Manhattan but really the movie is Jason Takes a Ship because mm -hmm. We don't get to Manhattan until over an hour into it. And then you've only got like 20 minutes left or whatever, where you're in Manhattan. Now, granted, the the Manhattan scenes are hilarious. Yes. I, I laugh every time. I love that Kane made Jason like this breathing guy. Like, and I think it's because he lives underwater or something. But he made him the, like, if you look at, at, um, Jason in this movie, he's mm -hmm. he's heaving a lot in his chest, and that was obviously a choice because it's very clear. And I'm wondering if it's like, oh, his lungs have changed because he is underwater. Maybe, like yeah. Some, I know that yeah. there's some there's nerd some motive, out there that knows. There's some motivation out there. For, I mean, that he had for that, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you. Yes, I totally agree with you. But there were some really great scenes. There's on some this great ship. kills. And so the dance dance floor death scene where he just lays her out and she face plants on the floor. I mean, that I laughed out loud. No, no, it's 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 terrible. The one where he strangles her in the yes. disco. That's the, one. Of, I wrote it down. That's one of my very favorites. It's brutal though. It's brutal. One of one of the things yeah. I and like she looks about, so tiny next. Oh my time. god, it's amazing. But I laugh every time I see that scene. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons why I like that kill in the lexicon of all of the kills is because he strangles her and he's so known for knives. Yeah. But he has to strangle her. And so you get the Jason that's up close and personal, which you got a little, a touch in the early movies where as he's strangling her, you see him looking at her like fascinated by what it looks like when someone dies, like kind of fascinated by humanity and there's because you know Kane's an actor so yeah you see this moment where jason even behind the mask you he he you know he tilts his head he mm -hmm. tilts his head and he's looking at her and he's strangling her and you could tell he's got that fascination of a of an animalistic psychopath that's just so curious like look at mm -hmm. that life and ending life and you just you just get this brief little moment of that which i love and then fucking hilarious when he drops, drops her, her on the ground just drops her just drops her and then he just looks at her and they have a shot from the floor it's shot well too yeah. because it's like it's shot from the floor mm -hmm. so he looks even bigger and it's oh, hilarious yeah. he just stands and looks at her it also has one of my favorite cheesy moments where he gets off the boat and sees himself on the poster like as a hockey oh, mask guy yeah. and they have this big long <laughs> shot and you know they did this because it's Kane because no other buddy nobody else does Jason like Kane and so you just see him and he, he's looking at it and then you see the poster or the billboard with the hockey mask on it. Yeah. And then you see him and then you see the billboard and then it goes back to Jason and, and he just twerks his head like a dog. Like, oh my huh? God. 
I yeah, mean, yeah, he, um, he's really great in this. And so they play up that Hollywood part too, almost just like, hey, that's me and I'm all over this. Uh-huh. So the, the nonchalance of the presence on the subway, I love too. We were just talking earlier in this episode about when you live in urban cities, like, you know, people just don't question certain things or they don't draw attention to certain things because they're so used to being around weirdness. And it's like, this guy's like running from him and everyone's <laughs> on the subway's like, that guy's kind of weird looking, but they don't think anything of it. So there, there's two scenes um, in New York city that just get me and they're flipping hysterical. One is when the guy's in the phone booth and he just rips, he punches right through the glass and just takes him out. Yep. And then the other one is the street fight scene where he's just hitting Jason over and over and over in the face. And he's just like, I, I, I don't even feel that. I Those two got I, me. Yeah. That's my, one of my favorites is the guy who's trying to box yes. with Jason. Yeah. That's the, and they, it, and it takes an exorbitantly long time. Yeah, and he oh, they, stands. They there. literally take like five minutes of this film to watch this guy box him all the way to the edge of the building. They're on a roof, and he just like punches, punches, punches. He's punching a mask. Like, how stupid do you have to be to punch Jason's hockey mask? Right. Goes all the way to the end, having no effect whatsoever. Right. And then the final thing is, he's like, "Okay, well." the guy goes well, take your best shot like I'm done you can kill me now and Jason just punches him and his head falls off and flies yeah. off the building <laughs> yeah it, it, it's so funny I mean there are really some great scenes I um, liked um, I, I liked that they brought back the doomed guy doomed you're all doomed yeah. he was on the ship yeah oh he yeah didn't, he didn't make it to Manhattan but he was on the ship mm-hmm. saying everybody was doomed which which made me laugh so I'm not saying that the kills weren't great and I love Kane and it was, they're hilarious and funny, but the movie is just like really, really slow. There's a bunch, like the first 45 minutes, there's a bunch you can just like skip through mm-hmm. because it's just so lewd. Like, why are we talking about, I don't care. Yeah. It's not one of my favorites. Okay. All right. But hey, that's the great thing about this. Yeah. Oh, and then he gets flushed down the sewer. Yes, he does. So that's the end of the movie. <laughs> he, I was like, Jason literally, Jason's face melted off and then he got flushed down the sewer. I just think there's a lot of really... So he's back in the water. He's back in the water, but I just think there's a lot of really funny parts in this one. Ridiculous. Well, it's better than five. (sighs) I mean, I'm just saying, like, if we're going to rank, like, it's certainly better than five. And seven. Oh, definitely better than seven. Um yeah, good times. All and, right. And and nine and ten, nine was a good one too. I can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah, it's been so, years since I've seen it. Yeah, so next time we're definitely going to talk about nine and ten. So we're making our way through it, you guys. Happy Halloween. Happy Friday the 13th, right? So That's right. We're going to take a moment. We'll be right back with our watches and reads and such. All right, see you in a minute. Scooby, Scooby, do. <laughs> Where are you? It totally sounds like that. I think you're right on. I didn't even think of that when I first heard the cue, but I was thinking like spooky haunted house or whatever. I mean that too. That too. But, but it, it is like Scooby goes to spooky haunted houses, yeah. right? Like that is what they investigate. But I kind of right. Yeah. And well, yeah. And then like I the don't Phantom even remember what they do. and all. I mean, all. Yeah. They go into houses. They go into ships. They go into. I really castles. have to like. I really have to watch some more Scooby Doo because I feel like it's I'm my out fave. Of touch. It's pretty much my fave. Okay. Is it still on? Like. No. I mean, I like the OGs, but I do like some of the newer ones too. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, they're probably all on YouTube. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Some of some of the Cartoon Networks will play them sometimes. Okay. You can buy the original series on Amazon. Oh, yeah. well then. There's only two seasons of the original. Yeah, no, I yeah. figured there wasn't that many. They didn't make 45 seasons of The Sim. You know, it's like 45 seasons of The Simpsons. They didn't do that Yeah, they did then. it later, right? With like yes. newer versions. But yeah. Yeah, well, they got a whole new team in there to make money off. <laughs> right. <laughs> do a million versions of it. That's right. All right. So uh, let's talk about books and movies. So I'm reading this book you might find interesting it's called the haunted vagina oh. <laughs> by carlton millick the third he's written a bunch of these kinds of books and self-published and all that there's like a bunch of them so it's only 98 pages but i'm not through it yet maybe this is why it's difficult to love a woman whose vagina is a gateway to the world of the dead <laughs> What does that even mean? I don't know. Like it creaks and screams and (laughs) there's chains rattling. There are chains down there. Is that what your vagina would do if it was on? No, but that sounds really painful if there's just chains dangling down there. Just wait. It seems painful. Bats. What's happening? Bats flapping. Bats just flapping. Oh, God, that'd be an ugly vagina. I think it's a little bit worse, actually, than that. But let's, let's see what happens. So Steve is madly in love with his eccentric girlfriend she's eccentric all right stacy unfortunately their sex life has been suffering as of late because steve is worried about the odd noises that have been coming the creaks the jangles the bats and the screams pubic region yes she says that her vagina is haunted what does that even mean she doesn't it's been around longer than her it's not hers (laughs) she doesn't think it's that big of a deal kathy but steve on the other hand completely disagrees okay He's got a lot to lose. Uh, I, I don't right? know if I'd want to go into that house. Well, I mean, can you imagine? So let me just explain the first chapter. He's going to have is a just phantom like, penis by the time he comes out of there. Which is just like two pages long. You have sex with your girlfriend and you're laying there in bed and you're chatting afterwards about, yeah. you know, dinner or whatever. And all of a sudden you hear noises and you're like, what are you making those noises? And she's like, no, my vagina is haunted. And you're like, I'm sorry, squeeze me what what right and she says no listen and you put your head down by her vagina and you hear the sounds and you're like right like yeah that's what i mean like the screeches and the screamings and the howls yeah yeah but this this is how the book starts this is the first chapter so you just like put yourself in that situation all right you know the your lady has a Okay, on so vagina. Okay. one moment. So then, when a living corpse climbs out of her, <laughs> oh, so it comes out of there like, excuse me, I've lost my way. Yeah, Can you point me awkward, to the door during like, an awkward night of sex? Stacy learns that her awkward, vagina all right. is actually a doorway to another world. D- did she know about the corpse coming out? We call that giving birth. I think she might have noticed. A living corpse. And I'm saying, like, has this happened before? I like, don't oh, know oops. Yet. You know, sometimes this happens at my time of the month. I give birth to a corpse. Yeah. I mean, since she's not that, you know, <laughs> I think that's when she, she thinks her vagina is haunted, but it, the way this description sounds like, and again, haven't read it yet, but the description sounds like when this happens, she learns that her vagina is actually like the doorway to another world. Like, she just, like, oh, I just thought it was haunted and made noises. Isn't it amazing, though, how we project the power of the vagina for in, sure. in these ways. Like, for I mean, sure. if you think about how no, no, powerful of a metaphor. a metaphor this is, right? Absolutely. It's the reason why I'm reading it. I, lo- I love that. It's like the haunted vagina monologues. <laughs> Written by a man. Written by, well, and of course it's a man <laughs> because the vagina is threatening. 
Well, we are scary. Yeah, I'm pretty terrifying. So she persuades Steve to climb inside of her. Oh, like his whole body? To explore this strange... Well, I mean, the living corpse came out. Why can't Steve well, go I, I mean, that's just a deep dive. Just uh, Literally. <laughs> she persuades Steve to climb inside of her to explore this strange new place. But once inside... So there's going to be a chunk of this book that takes place inside of her vagina. Okay. Just take that in for a second. Gotcha. But once inside, Steve finds it difficult to return. <laughs> he likes it in there or he gets lost? Especially once he meets an oddly attractive woman named Fig. Who lives within the lonely haunted world between Stacy? Oh legs. my god! Is that amazing? This is awesome. So I read that description. I was like, I need the book. Yeah. So I have the book. It's only ninety-eight pages. I will report back for everyone. So you'll be in and out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're so funny. The other It'll book. Be a quickie. I, oh Jesus, she's gonna do this all day now. I've started a problem. Little afternoon delight. Oh God, have mercy. I'm also reading a book called Nocturnal uh, by Scott Sigler, who's pretty famous. He's written a bunch of books. This book, I'm only about 300 pages through, and I think I'm like 64% or something. Like, it's only half of the book. but And I think that's because it originally started as a podcast. He's a podcaster. He does all of his own reading for his books. And originally it was, you know, installment, like, like most uh, narrative podcasts where, you know, someone writes a story and then they do a little piece each week. He did Nocturnal originally like that. And then after that came out and several others, and then he had a book deal and all of that, like later, then they packaged it and made it a book. And so I'm reading that. I, I'm really enjoying it. So <laughs> this book, I think you might you might like it. I don't know. It's detective. So there's a homicide detective named Brian Clauser who's losing his mind. How else to explain the dreams he keeps having? Dreams that mirror with impossible accuracy, the gruesome serial murders taking place all over San Francisco. And Scott knows San Francisco really well, so all the places in the book are all real places, mm -hmm. real buildings. Mm -hmm. So you can, I guess when they originally did the podcast, or he originally did it, there was part of it was a map that you could follow. And so you could, he would release like the map and the buildings and yeah. all that. So that's a, that's a cool concept to do yeah. that. How else to explain the feelings these dreams provoke in him? Not disgust, not horror, but excitement. So there's something wrong with Brian. Brian, <laughs> there's something wrong. We need to talk about Brian. <laughs> no, we don't. Yes, we do. I mean, we talked about Kevin. Can we not talk about Brian? No. Okay. okay. He has a partner named Pookie. Pookie Chang. He's the comedy Pookie relief. He's a, he's a, like the funny character. Yeah. He's really funny. And then there's, so there's a bunch of cops do, you know, uh, investigating these murders. And then there is, there's a reverend, you know, there's like a priest guy and all of this. This is all right in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not spoiling it because what happens later, a few hundred pages in, I, I'm not even going to speak to because that would spoil it. But shit ensues basically. And it's a very unique world, eventually. It starts out as this world that's very familiar. You've got a little kid named Rex who's a psychopath. Mm -hmm. He gets excited, like sexually excited, by violence. Like how little is he? I don't know, maybe like 10. Okay. I can't remember now. That's a good question. But I think he's not in puberty yet, really. Mm -hmm. And that's disturbing, to read from his POV. Yeah. Him getting excited about things like his little penis getting hard and stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, I really. So vaginas and penises today. Yeah, that's your. In my book reading. That's your. They're all haunted. Anyway, I really like the detective story going on. The murder story. You know, like it's got that element. But 
starts off like a very normal kind of crime drama type of story, but you realize there's something wrong with Brian and you're just not sure how these stories are going to connect. And when they do, <clears throat> straight horror. Okay. Like, it shifts. So there's that. Okay. All right. So those are a couple more books that I'm reading. I have a Southern Book Club's <laughs> a Guide to Slaying Vampires on my table. It's ready to be read. I've just had so many other things I'm trying to get through. So I'm excited to read that because I, I did read uh, the Final Girls uh, Support Group which came after this one. So I'm kind of going backwards a little bit, but I love Hendrix. So I'm excited for this. But the one that I'd been waiting for that, uh, when I wanted to read it, it wasn't out yet. And now I just can't get to it is I'm, I'm a big fan. I like Eric Larson a lot and mm -hmm. uh, devil in the white city is such a great book. And he had a new one that just came out in September called no one goes alone. Mm -hmm. A group of researchers set sail for the Isle of Dorne in North Atlantic in 1905 to explore the cause of several mysterious disappearances, most notably a family of four who vanished without a trace after a week-long holiday on the island. Led by Professor James, a prominent member of the Society for Physical Research, they began to explore the island's sole cottage and surrounding landscape in search of a logical explanation. The idyllic setting bellies, uh, belies an undercurrent of danger and treachery, with raging storms and unnerving discoveries adding to the sense of menace as increasingly unexplainable events unfold the now stranded investigators are unsure whether they can trust their own eyes their instincts one another or even themselves mm. so it look i like that he always does like turn of the century stuff too yeah very period oriented oh, and, right? and if you think about late 1800s early 1900s is really when like the alienists the forensic psychologists were not yeah. common but looked like looked at almost as antichrists right yeah, yeah, like yeah, they were for sure magical magical um they were blasphemous they and got so the power and and they were and they were excommunicate like the church was like there's no room for you here like we believe in evil and and good and you're bringing in science right <laughs> and so these turn of the century things that he does like devil in the white city was essentially about hh H. holmes you uh -huh. know and and the world fair he, he just talk about atmospheric i just oh really love the way that he writes so i'm excited to, whether we read this on the discord it might be maybe my next pick sure or i read it before that i'm excited to get to it yeah depending on when you get to it right yeah <laughs> so many things to do so many things to read we are still reading rosemary's baby on the discord we'll have our voice chat uh with our patrons on october 24th so that'll be really cool mm -hmm. we watched a movie called there's someone inside your house i was gonna like pause and go your vagina because that's what you're talking <laughs> about but i yeah I hedged my bet. There's someone inside your house, 2021 horror movie, 96 minutes long. The description is, Makani Young has moved from Hawaii to quiet small town Nebraska to live with her grandmother and finish her final year of high school. But as the countdown to graduation begins, she and her classmates are stalked by a killer intent on exposing their darkest secrets to the entire town, terrorizing every victim while wearing a lifelike mask of their own face what did you think i actually liked it oh yeah yeah um it reminded me a lot of happy death day oh sure um so if you watch it as a light sort of you know there's nothing profound about this film the only thing i didn't care for was i didn't find a real motivation for the killer at the end that was a little disappointing because i'm like really like i thought that was 
going to go somewhere different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the masks. Those were terrifying. So like visually, I thought it was really fun. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's just your standard like teen. But it reminded me of a Blumhouse a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I was left not really like so the one thing i remember about this movie is the masks like i thought that was super clever very clever that the idea is that and i have a feeling you know when you see movies like this you're like some guy had that idea and then try to yeah. put a script around it right yeah like the idea that they would make life size like life masks and yeah. then and then when they're coming to kill you they're wearing your mask as they're a mirror you. Yeah. so there's like a psychological concept in there obviously but i didn't think this movie really uh one <laughs> like okay. i like i i thought it was kind of all over the place and and that's empty. like you yeah. said like there's nothing there's nothing new here there's it was kind of empty i kind of lost consciousness a couple of times like i lost yeah you know when you're watching a movie and whether it's you're not in the mood for it or whatever is you kind of realize right up front like oh this is just another one of those mm-hmm. blah 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 and then you kind of just get really easily distracted you maybe stop it a couple times mm-hmm. you having a hard time getting through it that was this movie was one of those okay. for me interesting so I, 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 yeah. didn't actually, I didn't actually really like it I, I just thought it was fun um, it wasn't like the movie of the year for me but I thought it was fun and there were some great kills uh, anytime you slash the Achilles tendon that, yeah, that to me always gets awful. me and yeah you know i i am a sucker for like the teenage high school yeah it's all one, it's like so. if you like this you're gonna be a lot yeah. more forgiving but yeah there was nothing uh you know deeply profound about it that's for sure well you know how well and i don't i definitely don't need things to be deeply profound i just i just uh, i don't know yeah i, I, I mean i, I do I hear you that it was all over like the plot that's why i said what by the time you find out who the killer was i'm like oh okay i mean that wasn't obvious to me mm-hmm and not, I mean, not that it always has to be obvious, but then you go, oh, that makes sense. This was like, mm. let's just make it that person. Yeah. And that's why. And that part, it bothered me. They were all super unlikable. Yeah. Too, for me. They kind of were. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just happening a lot these days. And so I'm getting kind of sick of it. Maybe that's part the unlikability. I, so I think for this movie, if we were Roger and Ebert, I would be a thumbs down. Okay. Can I do a half thumb? <laughs> You, you can do whatever you like. A, th- a three-quarter up? Because we are not Roger and Ebert. We are sh- and the, certainly not. And the TV show is not paying us to have a thumb I'll do like all. a. I'm going to do like a three-quarter up. <laughs> You'd say worth a watch. Maybe that's it. Yeah. And I'd say fun. it's not. Okay. There you go. That, that There's our... <laughs> there okay. you go. A barometer. Okay. <laughs> all right. So what else did you watch? I watched a movie called No One Gets Out Alive. Oh, yeah. I really, really liked this movie. It's okay. brand new. An immigrant in search of the American dream who, after being forced to take a room in a boarding house, finds herself in a nightmare she can't escape. Okay. Um, first of all, very character driven. She was likable to me. Okay. Um, I love that it plays on the piece of like, she's trying to escape to a better place, comes to America. Her mother has passed away. And so she takes place at this boarding house and she starts, she, she has these continuous flashbacks of her mother and you, as the movie's continuing, the guy who owns the house, he, he presents it in such a way for safety that only, only women are allowed to rent. He's like, no men in the house, da, 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 only myself. And then there's one part where she says, who's this other guy? He said, there's no other men. Oh, that's my brother. Don't worry. No harm. Da, da, da. Right. And clearly you start to suspect that something with this dude is, is clearly off. Right. (laughs) There's something wrong with the dude, but 
you also start to realize that there's something clearly wrong with the house and that what she is, you know, having flashbacks on or what she, what you assume to be, you know, dreams or whatever may not be that. There might be something trapped in there and years of history in this nice. house. So it really, I, I don't want to speak too much of it because there, the scenes are, will give a lot away okay. as far as like what goes. I really recommend it. And I think that it's a strong female character lead. It's not a main star, which makes her more believable. And it's just a really clever emotional film that just happens to be mixed with horror and suspense and supernatural That's stuff. That's great. Yeah, I really worth like watch. it. It's worth a watch. <laughs> it's worth a watch. In our new... Uh... <laughs> it's way more sophisticated than, you know, the, the other one. The other one, yeah. Well, that's good. No, yeah. it's it's actually, it was actually on my list, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, you should watch it. It's so good. I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, so I'll throw out one, because you threw out one that you really liked, I'll throw out another one that I really liked that I was actually kind of surprised by because i don't normally like found footage movies okay. but the new very new 2021 horror movie vhs 94 uh-huh. which is part of the vhs yeah. series obviously <sighs> a shutter original film so that's cool it's the fourth installment in the horror anthology franchise vhs if you guys i'm sure you guys have seen the other ones i have not i saw the first one but i haven't seen the other ones i've heard their shit so mm-hmm. you could just watch the first one and then skip to this one because this one's actually really good i liked this one too i i'm glad you yeah. watched it with us i right? watched it with you yeah yeah it's like there, it's kind of goofy and i mean you know like it, i i just liked it so i thought it hit soon enough to keep my interest like in other words the horror and the fear and the the gore is great in it the gore is really good the humor is is the humor is on point Mm -hmm. the way it you know it twists and you go oh shit there was a lot of that there was Mm -hmm. a lot of like oh whoa what you know so you do get surprised by what they do we laughed a lot too we laughed a lot it's a fun group watch if you guys group watch it with friends or you know, you hang out with us and do it. It's so definitely worth a watch and, right. and better than that. Like you think it's like, as far as found footage is concerned, I've found maybe four or five found footage movies that I would recommend. Yeah, I know you're, one not, of them. you're not crazy about them either. And I, I'm not either. And I thought this was really, um, really yep. fun. Yep. Yeah. I've only watched maybe three or four other ones that I would actually say, hey, Watch this found footage movie. If you if you don't like found footage, you might like this movie. Is yep. my is the way I do it. Uh, what it, else did it you? It didn't watch? take itself too seriously. No, it didn't. Which most of them do. Yeah, so, and they use the same tropes over and over again. We'll have to do a found footage episode one day. We should. So I have to tell you. Yes, ma'am. I went back and mm. did a little giallo. <gasps> Yay! Yes, because I do. <laughs> she love does a whole hand flourish. Giallo, she does that, by the way, because it is the creation of the slasher film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least it's even though we really lambast giallo in our giallo episode. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> well, because there's a lot of bad giallo, just like there are a lot of bad slashers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, this one is was done by Lamberto Bava, which is Mario Bava's son. And the release date is 2007. So it's not incredible. That's at least when it's, it's a newer street. That's when it was streamed. But in fact, I think it's, it is older. I think that's when it actually went to um, like the streaming sites. That's right. Yeah. So he, okay. So this one, it's called the blade in the dark in Italian. You can find it under the house with the dark suitcase 
but in in Italian. It, you know, they always have like five names for the same film. That's another thing about Giallo. It's like it's also called this and then this and then this. So it is. Uh, sorry. So it is a 1983 film, but it was released for streaming in 2007. Got it. So it was actually originally planned for television. <laughs> but it was made nearly uh, a two-hour piece split into four parts, but they found it to be way too gory, so they, they mm. turned it into a feature film. I will say that this one I really enjoyed. Wow. So Bruno, a composer, is hired to do the soundtrack for an upcoming horror film, and to help him concentrate, he moves into a rented villa for a few weeks. Several of the tenants and neighbors are murdered by a razor-wielding slasher, mm. and there is a weird next-door neighbor who is a key suspect. Hmm. So this one had the gore. Obviously, it always has the gore that I love so much, but mm. I also feel like there were a lot of really good scares oh, in this. Nice. It's uh, if you like giallo i recommend this because there is a lot of shit out there uh it, it, considering how low budget it was like even a lot of the people that critique the film said that they feel that it may have been the film that inspired scream three okay so it's good i think it's good and there's a lot of great suspense there's a lot of great gore and it doesn't from what i remember it doesn't have as much of the loaded like misogyny as some some of and the it's older, okay if it does it, honestly it does, because it's yeah, part of the it's part genre. of the genre i i kind of laugh at it when i see it yeah. um but it is 1983 it's not like 1972 so it is a little bit new-ish giallo started to change and kind of fade 1979 1980 so it's post it's like hype i liked it great that was fun thumbs up yeah <laughs> worth a watch worth a watch <laughs> I watched a movie from 2011 that you guys have probably seen, but if you haven't, it's one of my like, hey, if you missed this movie, please go watch it kind of recommends. It's called Your Next. Oh, have I seen this? 2011. It's a horror comedy, 94 minutes long. It is an excellent final girl movie. So if any of you like the final girl trope that is in horror slashers and you're always looking for another good one, this is the one. Horror, comedy, mystery, and thriller. It's such a fun watch. The Davisons, an upper-class family, are extremely wealthy but also estranged. In an attempt to mend their broken family ties, Aubrey... Barbara Crampton and Paul Ooh. Rob Moran Davison decide to celebrate their wedding anniversary by inviting their four children and their children's significant others to their weekend estate. So that already sets up that you've got like the mystery thriller vibe of like going to the estate, right. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of people and all of these people have characters, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got that very Agatha Christie kind of feel at the beginning, okay. like mystery thriller where there's all these different people and they all have different personalities. And of course, some of them are annoying and some of them are opposed to each other. So you've got like little conflicts, you've got like little family dynamics, you've got the big dinner table where they're all eating, you know, that kind of deal. The celebration gets off to a rocky start, but when crossbow wielding assailants in animal masks suddenly attack, the Davisons must pull together or die. So basically the inciting incident, which, you know, really doesn't give anything away, is that all of a sudden, you know, 20 or 30 minutes into the film, the big incident is that through the window comes a crossbow and kills one of them. Wow. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's that kind of movie. Yeah. Cool. I've heard of it. I don't, I was looking at it. I don't think I've seen it, but I've heard of it. 
It's a good one, mm-hmm. and especially since you like slasher type movies, yeah. it's got a unique twist to it. It's got comedy, and it's got it's a final girl movie. So cool! I would say go for it. And then last time I was talking about how I was watching the four uh, Blumhouse movies uh, or the four movies that Blumhouse is, does for the Halloween season for Prime, mm-hmm. and I mentioned that I watched Bingo Hall Hell, mm-hmm. and I also watched Black as Night, which was uh, the second one that came out, 2021 horror, 87 minutes long. I liked this one a lot more than I liked Bingo Hell. A resourceful teenage girl leaves childhood behind when she battles a group of deadly vampires in Black as Night, an action horror hybrid with a strong social conscience and a biting sense of humor. Fifteen years after Hurricane Katrina ravaged New Orleans, a new threat leaves its mark on the Big Easy in the form of puncture wounds on the throats (laughs) of the city's vulnerable displaced population, as they do. Easy pickings. Okay. When her drug-addicted mom becomes the latest victim of the undead, 15-year-old Shauna vows to even the score. Along with three trusted friends, Shauna hatches a bold plan to infiltrate the vampire's mansion in the historic French Quarter, on and on and on. So you get the idea. It's kids fighting vampires. And I just kind of dig that. I think that's cool. Yeah. I like We've that. seen it before, yeah. but it's it's actually, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I liked it a lot more than Bingo Hell. Now, the other two that Blumhouse has done for Prime this year, I have not seen. Uh, that's Madres and The Manor, but I'm making my way through it, man. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Okay, so the last thing we have to do is... <laughs> Number one. Oh, hey. Speaking of enthusiasm. Oh. What state and or territory is ranked number one for Halloween enthusiasm? Mm, Salem, Massachusetts. Good guess. Thank because you. they're very good at like bringing the Halloween. Yeah. But it's actually Washington, D.C., oh, followed nice. by Louisiana, Connecticut, and then Massachusetts. Okay. So top five. Top five. All right, then. The Hammer Horror Film Series, which ranged from 1958 to 1974, consisted of nine installments, which starred... Which two actors is Count Dracula and Dr. Van Helsing? I don't know. Vincent Price and Peter Cushing? Peter Cushing was Van Helsing and Christopher Lee. Ah, I was close. Yep. <laughs> the top top three, I picked the wrong two. <laughs> that, that tends to be a lot of people's favorites. I got half here. right. We might even want to watch those and do a, a thing on those. That's awesome. Uh, number three, Hugo Mussorach oh, oh. has been fer- referred to <laughs> as the father of forensic <laughs> psychology due to the publication of his book on the witness stand, Essays on Psychology and Crime. In what year was this book published? 1982. 1908. Okay, then. Turn of the century, remember? Oh, that's right. In 1992, a commercial featuring Dracula proved that by drinking this product, it was equivalent to satiating his thirst for blood. I don't know. The commercial actually gets made fun of for making absolute zero sense. (laughs) He comes in like this rabid Dracula and then all of a sudden he like opens the can and he like turns into this like really good looking Dracula and then he goes off with the girl. And it like when you watch it on YouTube, it's hilarious because they're like, this made no sense at all. Coca-Cola. But it sold Coca-Cola probably really well because a lot of, I don't know, that's kind of in the line of today's commercials. I know. Because a lot of times they're just clever and funny, but they make no sense. No sense. Number five, which Friday the 13th has the most kills and how many were there? 
Friday the 13th, part seven. It's actually nine, the one we're about to watch. Okay. And can you guess how many kills? 52. 27. <laughs> I doubled it. <laughs> 27 is a lot, though. It and is. much more reasonable In for like an, an hour, hour and, and a half. half. Yeah. <laughs> 52 is obviously. Otherwise, it would just be kills. Yeah. I mean, 52, can you imagine? So anyway... Eh. Yeah, and then I was uh, uh, <laughs> just had to kill someone every and a crash, thirty seconds and a stab. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for that, Kathy. Those are increasingly I don't know them, so that's pretty much the deal. And I'm guessing that a lot of our our listeners don't know them either. So. Yeah, I mean, some of them are completely random. I know it's awesome, and some of them are intentionally obtuse. Yeah. So that we're learning things, That's which right. is super cool. So thank you so much for that. Uh, anyway, thank you everyone for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.